I'm Mike Hebert, owner of Cantex Roofing and Construction. Every day is game day, and we'll get it right when it comes to your roofing, construction, windows, and mirrors. Call Cantex Roofing and Construction today. Together, we are one serving you. The podcast put together with Red Raider fans in mind. This is the Tech Talk Podcast from Double T 97.3. Presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. It's going to be a fun coaches show. It's time for McCaslin. It'll be on Thursday when they go back there and Rudy's. Let's see if we can get the definitive question there in the barbecue. A question and answer. It is Tech Talk here on Double T ninety seven three and Double T ninety seven Happy Wednesday to you, Clint Scott, Dr. Mike Gustafson, Ben Foreman. As we're live from the First United Bank Studio, you can call us on the Visual Edge IT Hotline. 806-771-0973, uh, or you can hit us up on the Yates Flooring Center chat line. Thoughts, comments, questions, reactions, all of that welcome there. Take us anywhere with a mobile app. It's brought to you by Happy State Bank. We're also streaming live on Fox 34 News Now and on YouTube. Yes, how you doing? Good. You got to prime uh, the questioner on that. You'll have to mention that to Hacks tomorrow morning. I Like we need a... Yeah, you I gotta, do know the, the people. We both know the people that yeah, ask the do. questions. And and the other guy, you know, the other guy that'll be standing there next to the desk in case something goes wrong. So you got two sources of reminders there. That's true. The technical guy. So yeah, we'll have to have to uh, again. I wonder it, if maybe that was just like a, he's saving it as a burner because it could be. You know, you're going into first show, right? First week of Big Twelve play. Not that it's difficult to come up like with questions in general sure. in the season, but uh, certainly not on the first one, right? Um, this would be, he'd be like, I'm saving that for whenever we go into a, a lull or whatever. Uh, big win for the Red Raiders last night, and not so much with the opponent on the other side, but just how you responded uh, after beating Texas in Austin. Some would would you be flat in this? Would you uh, look just like you did on Saturday? And the answer was the latter. There, you were there. You were there in person, yep. getting crunk, right? Um, yeah, yeah, I'm a bit all right, yeah. <laughs> uh, environment looked good. Yep. Crowd looked good. Yep. More importantly, the team looked good. Yeah, the team looked uh, really good. You know, missed, missed what, first four shots maybe out of the gate and got down 11-3 or whatever, and, uh, you know, by halftime you're up nine. <laughs> and I mean, there was a point at, at which I think maybe – Tech had peeled off a 17 to two run there late in the first half and just just flipped that game. I mean, you kind of thought, okay, this this thing isn't going to last with them making everything and us missing everything. But you, you know, you don't know if it's going to be midway through the second half and you finally take the lead or whatever. But this thing this thing flipped on its ear. I I like because you know, I mean, anytime you play a Big Twelve opponent, they're going to throw some sort of punch. Yeah, at some sure. point. Um, I mean, you look back at last year's team, you threw punches in games. You just didn't do it enough and near well enough or consistent enough uh, for it to really matter for you. Um, but you knew the Cowboys were, were going to throw a punch at some point. I liked that it was early because I'm just so interested in comparing um, last year's roster to this year's roster because we're a little burnt, right? Um, from what happened last season, you can go from the staff as well. And I want to see how you coach in certain situations. And and the fact that you got behind early and started out flat, well, okay, how do you respond? 
and at least the early answer for this year's team in Big 12 play is you respond really well and you don't just roll over and you didn't just crumble um, and you found a way to adjust. And then the second half, um, that the offense was really smooth, um, showed again that you've got a lot of guys that can score the ball. I love what you're getting out of Warren Washington Yeah, right no now. Uh, that feels massive, but it, the, we asked this going into the game last night. Will you look like the team that you're supposed to, at least from what you saw uh, you know, in Austin, against Oklahoma State, um, who's more of a seller team in the Big 12 this year? Uh, and the answer we got was, yeah, you look like that team. Yep, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just – you know, more good shooting, lots of layups, lots of really good passing, uh, and, and an amazing 17 to four on the, the 17 number on assist is certainly a good number. You contrast our 17 to four assist to turnovers with OSU's five to nine and nine's not a bad number of turnovers in a game. You know, so you don't look at, I'm not looking at that. Don't, don't focus on the nine from the Oklahoma state side, but just, you know, you, we hear the, the, the phrase share the ball. And we hear that out of coach McCaslin a lot talking about our team and how well they're doing that. And, uh, you know, there, we had 17 assists. Their team had five, yeah. um, you know, we had five guys in double figures, um, you know, everything from pop Isaacs at 24 down to a uh, Tucson at 13, uh, you know, bunch of assists all over. I mean, leading leading assist guy Warren Washington, and it was funny because I can't remember if Coach McCaslin said this maybe going into the Texas game. I think that's right. He might have said it on a show. I'm, but the I'll confess to the the media availabilities and those things running together when I think about a talking <laughs> point like this. But he complimented he complimented Warren Washington's passing ability, mm-hmm. and uh, and boy, sure enough. You know he he, your leading assist man last night. He uh, he had more assists than rebounds. In fact, we had uh, Warren Washington leading the club with five assists. A couple other guys with four. Williams Pop leading our uh, I'll start to say leading RBI guy leading. Been doing some baseball prep today, as you can tell. You're, you're mixing everything. Yes, getting yeah, there. The most three point home runs. Sabermetrics Gus. I love that's it. That's right. That's right. Uh, Darian Williams with 10 rebounds, and he he was double-double there, but uh, second in rebounds to Pop Isaacs. And so Pop has, you know, five rebounds, more, and that, which is more than Warren Washington's number. Warren Washington had more assists than Pop did. So really, really a nice nice pattern there. Yeah, and with your front line, I mean, with you pointing that, you're on a – you've got a team – that you know you could play 10 games in a row and cycle between four or five guys that are are, a leading scorer different every single night same thing with assists same thing with rebounds yep um and i think right now that speaks to the chemistry and when we think of an unselfish team on the court what do we think of we think of sharing the ball but you can also be unselfish with your effort on the boards your effort defensively um, and, and then playing as a team in that regard. And I, I really think um, the roster that you have assembled is an unselfish one all the way around. Now, to the assist-to-turnover ratio, that directly also speaks to that too. Right. Um, but it's a, it's a team that I think plays well off of each other, 
And those are the type of benefits you see. And also having the skills to do it where you have a big man who can lead you in assists. And it's not a bad thing because you may look at some, t- it's like the, it's in football, you're like, Ooh, your safety was your leading tackler. Right. Sure. It's probably not good. Yeah. Right. Cause everyone was breaking through the offensive line. Like you were a paper. A lot of eight yard there. gains there. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, but I, I think what you've seen right now, everyone, I could feel, <laughs> you can feel the fan base's confidence just skyrocketing. Uh, as now you're like looking forward to Lenardi and his bracketology yeah, and seeing your name in there. But you look like an absolute tournament team right now. Yeah, absolutely. Tech with 46 points in the paint last night. A lot of good looks in the lane and layups and dunks and uh, high percentage shots. Got to like that. The podcast that finishes your workday in a very Red Raider way. This is the Tech Talk Podcast from Double T 97.3, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Welcome back to Tech Talk. You've got us on Double T 97.3 and Double T 97.3.com. You can also take us anywhere with the mobile app. That is brought to you by Happy State Bank. Tech Talk on the go with the mobile app. Clint Scott, Dr. Mike Gustafson, and Ben Porman behind the glass taking care of us will Start with what's on the airwaves tonight. Lady Raider basketball, they get their chance at Oklahoma State. Road game tonight. They've lost eight straight to the Cowgirls, uh, so looking to end that streak tonight. Uh, You can hear that at 107.7 Yes FM, 6 o'clock with Fink and Chuck. Should be a good one. Uh, we'll have the high school fan zone tonight, 100.7 the score. That is from 6 to 7 o'clock. Coaches from Friendship, Cooper, and Liberty uh, will join Garrett Luft here in the first United Bank studio. After that, it's a game from the ACC, North Carolina and North Carolina State, both 11-3, and both 3-0 and in ACC play. You can hear that right after the high school fan zone. And then 7 o'clock here on Double T 97-3. It is a wild card weekend edition of Cowboys Crosstalk as they look ahead to Sunday's matchup with the Packers. Of course, Texas Tech basketball, they were successful against the Pokes last night, and we'll talk plenty more about it as we go on with the program, but they win 90-73, to 73, uh, went into halftime 40-31 to 31 after being down early and then answered that with 50 points in the second half. Uh, Big time offense last night. Pop Isaacs had 24 points, Warren Washington and Kerwin Walton both with 16, Darian Williams 14, and Joe Toussaint with 13 as all five of your starters found their way into the double figure mark. Uh, It is coaching change season and I would label, as surprising as the Vrabel one was, this uh, tops it. Yep. Pete Carroll out as Seahawks coach, but he he's, he's not out of the organization completely. Uh, he will serve as a team advisor. Uh, he's been with the Seahawks for 14 years. Of course, has a, a Super Bowl there. Uh, a goal line mishap away from two Super Bowl wins. Um, but a uh, familiar face, which is, it's crazy that it's already been 14 years to me. I don't know why, because he's obviously been there forever. It just didn't set in that he's been there actually 
14 years. Yeah, no doubt. Um, but that I guess when you think about it in terms of those good at USC teams that he left, then the math starts to line up. But yeah, just in terms of his his pure amount of time in Seattle, it's that it went quick. <laughs> and and I think something that adds into it to me, some people just seem like uh like like it's Paul Rudd, right? Because Paul Rudd has had the same face forever. <laughs> like it doesn't look like he's aged in thirty years. Pete Carroll feels that way a little bit to me and has about the same energy anytime you saw him like in press conferences or on the sideline. So it felt like it was USC Pete Carroll, even though he had it's been years since he's been there. Yep. He he was energetic, like to your point, and then you see the age is what, seventy two, seventy three, something like that. Yeah. I mean that that's where you go, man, that that it's uh you know, energy beyond is uh and, and that may be what, what an old coach McGuire looks like. You know, I mean Hopefully he's still here and having great success in his early seventies, but that sort of high energy deal and an older guy that you just look at and go, man, that just doesn't match the years. Yeah, yeah, if, uh, if vampire. That's my guess. Yeah, there you vampire. go. <laughs> <laughs> Stay away from garlic. Uh, how about this from the transfer portal? USC has flipped a transfer. Now this is quarterback Jaden. Uh, Mayava, and I should have this name down because he was at UNLV who Kansas just beat in the poll game. True. And I heard the name plenty, but it was already out of my mind. Uh, but I'm going to go with that. I nailed it. Uh, he had originally committed to Georgia two days ago and now has flipped from there to USC, um, where if he went to Georgia, he wouldn't have been a, uh, he wouldn't have been competing for a starting job. It would have been for the future with Carson Beck over there. But he goes to USC, and of course, Caleb Williams is gone. Their big recruit, Malachi Nelson, he went to Boise State and committed there this year. Uh, Miller Moss was who played and played really well for USC in the bowl game, but he has a actual starting, I guess, competition over there with USC. I'm not saying that's why he went over there. Who knows? There's so many different reasons. I know NIL and money immediately comes to mind. Um, but an interesting flip where he goes from big-time program to big-time program in a couple of days. That is your Mountain West Freshman of the Year. Yeah, that's uh, there's probably some attractiveness there for him to uh, go play for a, a guy that he knows is going to sling it around. Uh, and this is tomorrow. Uh, it's perfect timing because I just saw the uh, the release. Tomorrow night when we have Red Raider basketball with Grant McCaslin. Of course, we will have head coach Grant McCaslin as he joins Jeff Haxton, but you will also hear from Warren Washington and Coach AC. Love it. I'm not going to guess on the name. I like that they <laughs> make that simple for me. Um, so there you go. That's who you'll hear tomorrow night. Of course, we'll talk about it tomorrow as well. But there are your headlines today. Hit us up on the Yates Flooring Center chat line. Thought, comment. Welcome thoughts all there. Uh, we got this on the chat line. Hello. Uh, I, either someone who hates North Carolina, Gus, or is okay. a legit North Carolina State fan. All caps. Go Wolfpack. Beat them tar holes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. I'm all right with that. Yeah. Uh, is there a... Blue? A little off topic, but I'm I'm here for it. I mean, yeah. we, we share the... Yeah, we share the... Uh, 
you know, we, we, sh we share your zeal for that team. Yeah, so uh, they'll certainly have an interest with that game on the score. Do you have a blue blood and maybe multiple that you just absolutely hate or hate more than the others? Um, seems like for most people that's Duke, but I, I, I mean, I'm sort of neutral on them. I don't spend a whole lot of energy on that. Um, you know, there's, there's been points along the way. It's funny, in the 90s, uh, I probably watched as much Indiana basketball as anything, but you're you're talking about – and I enjoyed those guys and rooted for them. And so then the – you know, when Coach Knight came here, that was yet a, another example of how surreal that was. But in terms of someone just hate, um, I'd have to think about that. Um, I've never had much fondness for Kentucky, but it's not like a – you know, it's not a – Gend up hate when I was a little kid living in Tuscaloosa that you know Bama had like NCAA tournament level teams and they're in the mid 70s and Kentucky was in fact they won a natty one of those years we were there but um can you know so when Kentucky came to town that was huge because in that sense in that in that area that specific arena of college sports Alabama was the little guy going after mm -hmm. Kentucky, which was the and, – and and still is. And so when Kentucky came to town, it, it was a lot like what, you know, what we see in this conference with Kansas everywhere they go. It's kind of getting everybody's best shot and which bigger crowds and all I that. As I ask that question, that's 100% an answer for a lot of people uh, in Big 12 country. Man, I don't – Kansas <laughs> doesn't draw me offsides. They're really good, but I, I don't – I find uh, Bill Self hard to hate for whatever reason. Um, and and I don't know why that is, but I've just Words yeah, like the guy I didn't expect to hear for five hundred. Yeah, the guy that I the guy that'll just you know make me cringe is uh, uh, Kelvin Sampson, and 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 there's a you know I he does a good job, mm -hmm. so that's I'm not sitting here saying that guy's trash. It's just you know I get tired of watching his antics and all that and. And, uh, and now you get to see it every year. Yeah, exactly. Back in the league. Yeah, we'll get to watch the Red Raiders play against them in a week. But uh, yeah, just just a uh, when he was younger, especially just the way he just chirped chirped the ref on every possession and all that. Which not not that I'm necessarily protecting the refs, but just like hey, coach your team, man. You know, mm -hmm. if all you've got to do is just chirp the ref on every possession, and maybe you're, you know, Huggins was that way too. But yeah, uh, Captain I, Stool. I'm not yes. quite, yeah, exactly. I'm not quite getting to the, cause, and, and maybe that speaks to my relationship with college baseball or basketball, which is it's something I really enjoy, but that I don't have a team that's just baked in that I hate other than like Big 12 rivals, yeah, yeah which has more to do with the uniform than the Blue Blood program that I hate. It, it spans across all sports. Right, it yeah, doesn't have exactly. to just be college basketball. Exactly. You know, really want to beat this team. It has very little to do with, uh, you know, with their status as a blue blood. You said mine, Kentucky. Yeah. It's more of a Calipari than it is actually Kentucky. It's every Red Raiders favorite podcast. This is the Tech Talk Podcast from Double T 97.3. Presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. It is Tech Talk here on Double T 97.3 and Double T 97.3.com. Clint, Gus, and Ben. Thank you for joining us today. You can hit us up on the Ace Corner Center chat line. Give us your thoughts and comments. Lady Raider basketball tonight at 6, 1077-YES-FM. Uh, Gus, I'm, I'm not sure 
if you've seen this, you might have. It went around just real quick on Twitter uh, yesterday, day after the national championship. I believe this was an article put out by Brett McMurphy. Um, but there was an all-time stray that was caught by uh, a not very good program out of the SEC. And it, so the, the, the base of the article is essentially talking about is anyone care um, or making that big of a deal in the college football landscape that's not involved like a rival or anything like that with Michigan winning the national championship. Because I don't know if you've heard, there was kind of a sign-stealing scandal thing that went on this year in college football and isn't all the way wrapped up, by the way, right. and will bleed into next year, if not, you know, however long it takes. Who Who knows? But here's the quote. And again, these are industry sources, which I love these when they're just labeled as industry sources because it's essentially saying, yeah, we're not going to give your name away. So you can open as much fire as you want. The quote first, look, and this is an Alabama official on the first one, told me at the Rose Bowl last week, everyone, and I mean everyone, is stealing signs. Michigan was not the only school doing this. Added an industry source, Kansas basketball cheats more than anyone, and they didn't do anything to Kansas the only pure thing in college athletics is Vanderbilt, oh, yeah. and Vanderbilt sucks. <laughs> God. See, I told you they're terrible. They suck. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> he, I, I saw that. And that is catching strays, and it. Uh, um, yeah, that's that's fascinating in terms of. I I, I get the sign stealing thing um, in football. Mm-hmm. And it speaks to, I mean, because we've seen so many, um, you know, so much orchestration of, you know, the two huge posters with, you know, Donald Duck and a picture of an umbrella and, you know, Tiger Woods and whatever on there and like how all that's being, you know, queued up and all that. Um, and and it, there's a reason why it gets so elaborate and the, the the tents and all that stuff that are not the tents but the little blocker deals yeah like we i think we've used those mm-hmm. uh to block cameras from the press box shooting down you know i mean just you know all, all sorts of stuff and so everyone's suspicious of everyone in that sense um but it really does make you wonder what now why are we using the headphone doodads in the helmet Right, which is what, like, you're, what you're what you're headed for. I mean, right. That's why you saw him experiment as much with the bowl right. season. Perfect time to do it. Yeah, because we don't really have scrimmages in college football. Like a lot of times, Major League Baseball, when they want to toy with a pitch clock or, uh, um, yeah, a pitch clock, and and just the new rules around that. Like this time last year, you know, they're able to phase that in or try it in a ball. Mm-hmm. You know, where, yeah, if you're sitting there in Hickory, North Carolina, you can watch that thing play out and go, hey, you know, but they're collecting data. Mm-hmm. College football, it can't really do that because there's no pre... And then and then they'll then they'll implement it in spring training and test it that way. And we've even seen like robot umps or whatever. But in college football, you don't really have an exhibition season to work with. And so, you know, you think about it, those non-playoff type bowl games, which is really all of them other than the the final three games yeah. this year. Right. Next year it'll be 12, 12 teams. But 
I mean, even the even a New Year's Six, you can go. Oh, we don't want it. That's too precious. And like, mm, you yeah, know, the, yeah, the, you the New Year's got... Six, where half the roster is right. sitting out for Ohio State. You got it, and looking not like Ohio State against Florida Missouri. State. For, yeah, Florida, Florida State. State, same thing. And yeah. so, I don't think that any of that's too precious. And so, I think the fact that they implemented that in the bowls this year mm-hmm. is a way to sort of phase the thing in where you're not really affecting heated rivalry, conference championships, and things like that. But to collect some real data and get some real, you know, a real sense of it. But I just, you know, back to the original statement. I mean, if 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 that thing is that rampant, then, you know, what are we going to do about it? And, you know, when when this sign stealing stuff came up, I remember comping it to to with with Aaron about the Astros sign stealing, and boy, the you know the the lots of folks within the game felt like the. You know, the Astros took the biggest hit for it, certainly, um, because the best evidence was there with the trash cans, and then they won a World Series and all that stuff. But, you know, whatever that was in 17 and just all the things that came out about that. But, uh, you know, the Red Sox had a guy go down for that for a time. Yeah. And, you know, m- m- lots, of, lots of stuff. And that w- it was widely suspected that that was going on around the league because the commissioner sent letters going, hey, any, any further – of this kind of stuff or somebody sneaking an iPad into the, or not a telephone into the dugout or any of that kind of stuff is going to result in stiff penalties. Like, Hey, we know this is going on. We're not investigating all that stuff. And it seems just like that. Like, it's not just Michigan is the outlier. Nobody else is doing it. It's like, no, everybody's doing this stuff. And it it makes too much sense though. They film everything in football, really everything everywhere is filmed. You know, every pitch now is filmed in college baseball, every minute of basketball, all that stuff. But 50, 60 years ago, they were filming every play in football. So the fact that somebody somewhere along the way didn't get the thought to roll the camera over there and go, hey, look at that. Every time he scratches his butt, they run the sweep. You know, whatever. That's how I mean, you should. Sweep, sweep. Oh, no, I was actually. Yeah, 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 it was just itchy. My behind time. itches. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, then you can just scratch your butt and run a draw, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Other other cheek. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Turn the other cheek. Uh, yeah. I my my biggest issue through that entire scandal and this entire process has not been like, oh, they crossed a line. It's just that you they were so stupid with how yeah. they did it. I mean, that's where like, and it goes back like to the Astros too. Like they just did it so boldly, and and to the fact where you weren't covering your tracks at all. You weren't even, really, you weren't even trying in the long scheme of things. If this if this is, and I do think it is to an extent, going on everywhere, um, you went and, and pushed it as far as possible where now you are the poster child. For oh, that. sure. Congratulations. Sure. Connor Stein, um, yeah. And, and because he did it with every game, and he did it on the road, you know, where he's buying a ticket and going, hey, Clint, you live in, uh, you live in East Lansing. If I send you a ticket, will you go sit over there? I'm, I just bought a 50-yard line seat, and uh, will you film their skipper on every play yeah. or their sign stealers? I mean, their sign givers. You know, I mean, uh, like if I was really worried about beating that, and that's hard to do in today's game of hurry up, but if you were really intent on, you know, th- that could be mitigated by going back to what we did when I was a kid and going, all right, wide receivers, we're going to rotate you two in with the play, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's unheard of now, but I mean, if you're if you're really thinking 
this is what's going to happen. Or you give last week's signal for, like I said, last, you know, last week's signal, you give the last week's signal for blitz, and then you drop into coverage and see how they react and call me, damn, they've got our signs. Which is part of, like, the story was with Sonny Dykes. Yes, year, exactly. They changed everything. They washed mm-hmm. everything for the most part, and it well, worked and against the Wolverines last year. It could be, it could just be just smart intuition on his part. But don't forget that Sonny has a baseball background. Yeah, you know, he played played here for played here for a year with me. Played here, you know, a year after that. I think it ended up with two full years at mm-hmm. Tech around baseball. People where a lot of effort goes into, you know, not giving away signs and 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 measuring how people get signs from each other. And so, you know, and 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 Sonny's maintained a couple of friendships with some guys that are deep into baseball at the highest levels. And so it's probably not hard for him to go, hey, if you thought somebody was stealing your signs, what would you do? And to get a pretty good text back, you know, in about four sentences that would go, ah, all right, that's something good to think about. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll run last week's sign for this and see what they do. And then we'll know what they think they've got, you know. <laughs> I, I didn't, and I didn't mean to run this into, I'm sure everyone is sick of hearing sign stealing <laughs> stuff, but um, I, I think the, you know the the little the little voice in the helmet. The one nice thing, as far as like, okay, well, how do we test this out? See if it's going to work. You've got a professional league's worth of examples of how to do it. Like you have that blueprint. Oh, yeah. It's just hey, install it. And I think you are. I mean, that's Absolutely. rapidly what you're headed for, um, and is a good thing. I'm in. podcast that finishes your workday in a very Red Raider way. This is the Tech Talk podcast from Double T 97.3, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. It is Tech Talk here on Double T 97.3, Double T 97.3.com. It's like, it's like Huey and the boys wrote it for us. It's time uh, to take a look back on what's happened in history. On this day, January 10. Let's start with the uh, Texas Tech thing. This isn't the first one I called for, Ben. That'll be next, the one I just emailed you. Um, On this day, 2004, Andre Emmett with 32 points. Texas Tech, 83. Number three, Oklahoma State, 62. Hey, how about that? And that's why his numbers retired. Not that specific (laughs) game. Circle it right there. We've traced it back. We've done the detective work. So dang good. Was Andre Emmett and yes. taken from this earth way too soon? Absolutely. Um, yes. Um, the catch, Dwight Clark, Joe Montana. The it's, it was the bane of many Cowboys fans. Pontiac, third and three. We'll see a pick of some kind on the right side, possibly. Montana, looking, looking, throwing in the end zone. You know, if you're a, if you're a Cowboys fan, right, and you're worried about this this hopefully you know deep playoff run the way it's set up, hearing that you know a few days before it starts probably sending you like bad chills <laughs> down your, your neck, like here here in your neck, standing up right now and just haunting memories. Guys. Yeah, well, and what that did that that moment there ignited San Francisco to be the team of the decade in the '80s and. Uh, yeah, the 49ers, interestingly, uh, we, we know uh, um, John Curry, Texas Tech freshman, 
linebacker, uh, just finished his first year. Mm-hmm. Um, his be his grandfather, his late grandfather, John Ayers, was the was one of the starting guards for the 49ers in that game. Be the father of Jolie Ayers. Uh-huh. We, a lot of us know Jolie. Works at Lubbock ISD. Former Lady Raiders. So yeah, very cool, very cool connection there. All right. Yeah. Um, very neat. Yep. And uh, old John Ayers, I think played at. Uh, I think it was a West Texas back then. It was West Texas State. A uh, couple of birthdays. Former Dallas Cowboys safety, I think in their last Super Bowl, he was on their team. Uh, the last Super Bowl win, James Washington. Uh, Donald Fagan from Steely Dan, lead singer. And uh, we've got a uh, musician, Pat Benatar. She's 71 years old. Speaking of getting hit with your best shot, there's one more birthday that we'll talk about, and that is uh, George Foreman, 75 <laughs> years old today. Angie Dundee, Ali's trainer, right next to me is saying it. You may hear him. Down goes Frazier. Down goes Frazier. Down goes Frazier. The heavyweight champion is taking the mandatory eight count, and Foreman is as poised as can be in a neutral corner. You know, I, I've uh, and this was this was Joe Frazier, kind of peak Joe Frazier, in the midst of those three fights with Ali that were just epic, early seventies, um, and Frazier was as good as it gets, and and Foreman was the, you know, we all think of him as the grill guy, we all think of him as the old, you know, guy. I, I do wonder, like, how many? Oh, I know. It's like now. It turns into with with each generation that comes up. Okay, what age did you realize that he was a boxer, <laughs> right. and not just trying to trim fat off of steaks in a convenient way that you, you can it. plug in you on your countertops? Absolutely, and uh, that that's really why I went back to this this one because this is how we all came to know George Foreman. But uh, you know, as a big time fighter, and then you know, famously after this, um, he gets into the rope a dope fight with Ali. You know, and Ali's like, I can't, you know, everybody knew Ali can't punch with that young dude. He was just a big strapping buck and strong and, you know, and just crushed Frazier. That that clip you just heard was early rounds, and he's devastating. And uh, That's how we talk about Ben Foreman. Yeah, nice, absolutely. Crush anybody in the building. But but uh, Ali, Ali did the rope it open, just covered up and took about seven rounds of punches, whatever it was, seven, eight rounds of punches, and then – Foreman got tired of beating on his forearms and and relaxed a little bit, and Ali shocked him and ended the fight. And it, it was the rope a dope, and it was just an, an all time moment in boxing. But Foreman was right in the middle of that stuff in the mid seventies, and uh, you know, just a fantastic fighter. And what a life story! Like somebody needs to do that thirty for thirty on his deal because it was boxing early in his career, and in some ways might say a little bit disappointing because it ended short. When he was still in his 20s and he was sort of out of the game and then comes back and at a time that in which the heavyweight heavyweight you know category was a little bit you know less it certainly wasn't Frazier and and Ali and all those guys and he, you know he gained some traction and wins belts and stuff and he's fighting dudes in his 40s and winning and he was kind of the old heavy 
you know, kind of fat dude, and he was, you know, just getting it done. And then he comes out with the grills and all that stuff. And so he's got some really interesting chapters and some interesting, uh, you know, ch- you know, chapters in his life for sure. The the thirty for thirty thing is interesting because, you know, the decision on, on how to do some of these things because you want one, you, they have to be a good story, mm-hmm. and they have to be able to be told in in, in an entertaining way, but an accurate way, um, and. You also have to do the game where you're saying, what if these stories haven't just been, you know, beaten over the head a bunch yet that we could do in a unique way? Right. And I wonder if, like, something like that would be one of them because um, I feel like, you know, there there is, that's a unique story, but it, especially when you pull in just the Ali and Foreman right. part, like, sure. that's been told a bunch, right? Yes. And it should be. It's a huge piece of sports history. Um, so, but the 30 for 30, like, how they decide what they go with, uh, and what they decide to tell um, is a very interesting process to me. I would love to be in those rooms to know how they kind of pick and choose what they, what they decide to tell. Um, and the Pat Benatar, I was going to say, mm-hmm. yeah, that, sure. that was in it. So speaking of <laughs> the George Foreman thing, hey, when did you know that he was a boxer and he wasn't you know, just selling grills for a <laughs> career? Uh, that was one I heard that song uh, a bunch growing up. Anytime you hear like an 80s sure. station, oldie station, whatever. Um, and I had heard the name Pat Benatar. Yeah. But I didn't realize that Pat Benatar sang that song or actually like could name a Pat Benatar song, which would be that one. And so I was like in high school. <laughs> yeah. So. And you, that that's cool. And you can play that song today, you know, and, and your generation, Ben's generation would, you know, have some familiarity with it. My kids would have familiarity with that song. And that was, that was a, a song that would, you know, today would be played on 93.7 down the hall, but it might also get some classic rock run. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, just uh, I, I can't sit here and tell you that it was a top 40 type song, but it had some reach. Uh, this on the Yates Flooring Center chat line, there is a movie on Foreman's life. There you go. Um, George Foreman movie depicted everything you discussed about his history. Yeah, and see, that's why I feel like it's hard for a 30 for 30, right? Because there's like... Yeah, stuff gets there's, picked over. Th- yeah, sure. there's stuff out there. So how do you tell this in a new way where you're not just doing what somebody are, already did? Mm-hmm. Which in that situation would be difficult. Also get this on the chat line. And he named all his kids George. Yeah, well, I knew that. Yeah, that's kind of... <laughs> that just makes it easy, right? Yeah, I guess. You know what he never had to do? He never had to do the I'm running through all of my kids' names until I get the right one. Because he just had to say, George, they're in trouble, right? And he nailed it. Yeah, uh, true. This on the Yates Flooring Center chat line. You can hit us up there uh, as well. Uh, we got an answer from our text earlier. It's from North Carolina, but hate North Carolina the same way I hate Texas. Oh, like the University of Texas. Yeah. Yeah. yeah very good. Uh, Makes sense. This on the Yates Flooring Center chat line. Guys, I think the defense has really come along. Aggressive play is playing a big part of the Tech basketball success. Yeah. And they're just, you know, doing such a good job. I mean, they're getting the ball to the lane and getting a lot of just high percentage stuff. Obviously have shot the the three well, but not not in some breathtaking lighted up fashion, but just shooting it well. And so you know, their spacing is so good, and I can't say that with a big technical knowledge, but what you don't see is a bunch of dudes clustered to one side of the floor. And boy, it really makes 
defenders defend the whole floor, especially as well as they pass it. Well, and you you look at what it looked like last season and how you can just anybody that has has ever watched basketball for uh, before can just tell that the movement is different because you actually have movement. Where last year it felt like you were just stuck in mud every time mm-hmm. you tried to run a half court set. The podcast put together with Red Raider fans in mind. This is the Tech Talk Podcast from Double T 97.3, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. We will have a, uh, a play of the day from Ben here in just a moment. You do have Tech Talk on Double T 97.3 and Double T 97.3.com. But first, some breaking news. So, guess. We, uh, we talked about some, what I would say, fairly shocking NFL coaching news earlier, but this is on the college level, and I would say even bigger. Yep, no doubt. Um, Chris Lowe, senior writer at ESPN, just tweeted that uh, Nick Saban is retiring. Sources tell ESPN, obviously won six national championships at Alabama and Nick Saban is now 72 years old. And so that aligns with the Pete Carroll thing. Mm-hmm. And you talk about two, <laughs> two guys that, well, you talk about two guys that don't look their age. Yeah. Yeah. And, Sa- uh, Saban is another guy. You're right. Has looked like he's been the same age and coached the same way. Now, clearly not the same coaching style as Pete Carroll, but has felt like the same guy for two decades. Yep. And, uh, yeah, highly successful. I would have told you that I wouldn't. I wouldn't think that a coach could have been that successful in this era, in which more teams are trying to be nationally relevant and competitive, and and uh, that that he walked. You know, of course, he won a national championship at LSU, mm-hmm. then a you know brief brief stint in the NFL, and 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 it would would have been interesting to see that play out. You know, he wanted Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. Dolphins didn't make that move. Thought he was damaged, too damaged. Breeze goes to the Saints, and and Saban's like, yeah, that, this ain't gonna work without the quarterback. And so he jumps back into college and peels off six natties, and uh, you know the first one within what in his third year, I believe, um, when they beat Texas in '09, and then it felt like it was just almost like every other year stair step for them, and. Uh, uh, but yeah, the, the career spans into his seventies, uh, s- sort of an ageless, ageless wonder, and probably done all that he can do. And you know, we, we may be at the point at which uh, you know Belichick transitions out. Maybe, maybe not. But Belichick's right around that same age as well. You think about Belichick and Saban. Uh, um, you know, even even Pete Carroll, man, that that's some that could be some big ones there. Belichick, yeah, seventy one years old, and so how much longer does he want to do it? Right, and and it certainly seems like whatever happens with him, he, he doesn't seem like he's going to be on the sideline of the Patriots. Is he not going to be an NFL coach next year? No, I think there's a lot of organizations that are opening up that maybe are opening up because they think they have a shot at him. Um, but the the Saban 
like what what's incredible to me isn't just the the amount of success because yeah that's yeah no doubt let me say yeah look at all these national championships i mean they're the standard these days but the way that that he did it yeah um and we talked yesterday about what it seems like right now with Grant McCaslin that he's got some adaptability as a coach. Mm-hmm. Saban might have the most adaptability with the most success that we've ever seen because you go to those first national championships and what were they doing? They were running out the big heavies, dominating defensively, putting out running back after running back after running back. That was like their feature right. on offense. Sure. And, then, and then it turned into all of a sudden – Alabama might have the best receivers in the sport, and Alabama's putting quarterbacks out who have all of these yards passing. Sure. And, starting to, and, and the way that he was able to, quote-unquote, keep up with the times mm-hmm. of what was working and is working in football um, is, is an, and I guess now you can say was incredible. The other side of that, so, you know, everyone is, including me, putting – would put money down that Harbaugh is not going to be at Michigan. So there's huge big time (laughs) program opening number one. And that was already enough to have interest when the coaching carousel uh, is happening here towards the back half. Sure. Might I add, Um, they waited till the down to the wire uh, to have the biggest opening. I think we've seen in a while because this isn't, someone stepping in trying to turn around Alabama. They were in the playoff this year. They were an overtime away from playing for another national championship. Um, and I'd venture to guess it's safe to say if Saban didn't want to retire, he'd still have quite a bit of success moving forward. Sure. Is and, it? Is it? Yeah, is it national championship contender? Who knows? But probably because what you're saying, I mean, he was still peeling off top three recruiting classes. Yeah. And, uh you know, the, the dude uh, apparently was remarkable in the living rooms. And, uh, you know, it, it, and you're exactly right, too. He, he came there with very much of a defense, uh, you know, defensive first mentality. He he himself, when he was with the uh, Browns on Belichick's staff in the mid-'90s, he was a DB coach. He played DB uh, in college. And so I think that's where he came to at first. But, I mean, you talk about a position group that he just spun off dudes. Yeah. Uh, you know, defenders and DBs, and and that that'll even roll into this year's draft. Kool Aid McKinstry and and which is uh, an I think, all-time college football. Yeah, by the way. I, I mean, think the, I think the the and then the other young guy that declared. I think they've got two of the top five corners in the draft. I think that's right. And McKinstry's number one. I think I don't remember if that's corners or DBs, but the the point right. is, it's He's just had another some pretty good defenders yes. roll out of there. I mean, not only recruits at the highest level, but developed at the highest level. And then there was the point at which, to your point. That he said, "Hey, I want to start. I, I want to start. Uh, we need to have the kind of offense that I'm getting tired of trying to stop." Mm-hmm. And that was when it became, you know, and and I think that might have been when uh, what's his name at Ole Miss, um, Wayne Kiffin. Yeah, when mm-hmm. when Kiffin was brought in and and they opened it up, and then again with them recruiting at the highest level, he he went from bringing in running backs like Henry. And Ingram and those guys that are that are Heisman level guys that are just r- ruthless and pounding the rock and all that to to then getting you know spinning out some uh, NFL quarterbacks, but m- more impressively as as time's going to look back on that as the list of receivers that came through there. Yeah, 
you know, Smith yeah. for the Eagles and Waddle. And I mean, that, that list, yeah. that, uh, in fact, what's his name for the Browns? Cooper. Amari Cooper was on those early teams. Julio yeah. Jones. I mean, and, and that goes back to the, the, the first generation. But, you know, he, that, that offense that they rolled out there over the last seven, eight years would have NFL first, second round picks at two, two or three across and just weapons galore. Do you think in a, like an Amari, that's a funny thing to think about, like an Amari Cooper or a Julio Jones? We're watching like the past four or five years of Alabama, like texting him, like, where was this when we right, were there? Sure. Because as good as we were, <laughs> right. we could have been even better. Right. Think and, of the numbers. Yeah, and those guys were used as more of the balancing act against the heavy run game and all that. You know, I I've asked that question many times over the years to like Lloyd Hill and the guys that were here in the early nineties. Oh yeah. Played uh-huh. with Bam Morris when Bam was getting thirty, you know, twenty five, thirty carries a game and just pounding the rock. And Lloyd had that year where he you know, it was the first or so. I don't know if he was first, maybe second team All American, but a twelve hundred yard re- receiving year, mm-hmm. which was which was tall cotton back in those days. And I asked him, "Would you have rather played in the, you know, in our in the lead chair?" And he's like, "No, I like being the feature guy, you know, <laughs> as opposed to having to share all the balls, which is kind of a funny way to look at it." And he said mm-hmm. that with a smile on his face. So uh, I, I'm not saying he wasn't serious about it, but he had he had obviously given it some thought. But yeah. I think it's it's to the point of what you're talking about that those you know as as that era changed certainly at Alabama and Saban said hey let's 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 go sling it around a little bit still had the elite offensive line still had the the heavy run game just we're just going to mix it in with uh you know a receiver that's going to win the Heisman and first round picks littering the receiver room and just be weapons galore and you know it's just a it's a coach that recreates himself the other thing that Saban had to recreate every year was often his coordinators because he was always spinning off for coordinators one of whom has gone to his labeled coaching rehab for a reason yes and in, in many cases it was that guy that came in as a fired assistant and and you know rehabbed his image and then spun back out but think about Kirby Smart at Georgia that was a D coordinator and then he goes to the rival you know, four hours down the road and builds a beast, you know, a juggernaut that climbs right into that conversation with Clemson and Bama, and they go in there and whoever the Big Ten team is, Ohio State, uh, you know, early on and more lately Michigan, and just throwing haymakers at each other. And now it's Kirby Smart that's spinning out all the defenders to the NFL and all. And and you think, man, like all, all roads ran through Saban, you know, just so impressive. I, uh, the, the the first name you threw out there when you're talking about the coordinators, first one that popped in my head because now you're going to see rumors and oh, all yeah, this Lord, and, yes. and your coaching list, what will be a highly sought-after job. Lane Kiffin was the first one that popped mm-hmm. in my head. Sure. That'll be interesting. He he doesn't f- fit that bill, but he, he would, you know, the, the, the stage wouldn't be too big for him. It's Tech Talk here on Double T 97.3. This has been the Tech Talk Podcast. Presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Check out our library of Double T 97.3 podcasts at double T 97.3.com.